The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We've got a lot of Ezekiel Elliott questions, and I don't blame you people. Can you trust him against the best run defense in football this Thursday night? How about Alvin Kamara if he plays? What what are we going to do about the running backs in this game? What are we going to do about the wide receivers in this game? I think we're going to have a lot of fun taking a look at Dallas at New Orleans. Meanwhile, who can you trust down the stretch? How does the Tampa Bay passing game breakdown. Same thing with the Dallas passing game now that everybody's getting healthy. What about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? What about James Conner? It's been a while since we've seen him with Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray. So we'll take a look at some of those players. And the big news, it is December. It is no longer November. And Heath is more or less clean-shaven. Hello, clean-shaven Heath. Yeah, I've got a little bit of, uh, it's weird because I actually have more hair on my cheeks and my chin than I, my cheeks, huh? Uh, than I do in my mustache <laughs> area, but, um, you know, it's, it's now playoff beard season. So, uh, FFPC oh. playoffs start this week. So, uh, the, the beard will be growing until, um, honestly, probably until they ask me to do an HQ appearance in January or February, because I can get by now with growing the beard through the end of the football season. And I don't shave very often in the off season unless they've asked me to come on camera. So that I might not shave my beard for the next three months. I, I don't know that I, I, I like you clean shaven Heath. I don't know why you have to be such a mountain man, you know? I I just like there, there's different seasons and okay. this is the you uh, live in Florida playoff beer exactly it's there's, the only time a year where you could comfortably have one I two nights ago we had to close our windows <laughs> because it was too cold to I leave know. the windows open overnight I know I face I, I hear you man I had to wear a light jacket on my way into work the other day it's like it's in the 60s it's so cold I'm like oh be quiet all right anyway <laughs> you're the one who moved kid yeah I know let's get I'm to sorry, the show Keith's the kid he's the one with the kid face now. I think that hopefully that'll always be me. All right, let's get to the show here. Um, first, we'll start with the news and notes. And yeah, we'll take kind of a, I don't know if I tease what we're talking about today in terms of the the observations after 12 weeks. I think I did that on the YouTube intro, but not the podcast intro. Yeah, I just kind of looked at some of the position. I didn't look at quarterback, but running back, wide receiver, and tight end, some of the trends that we've seen uh, in the first 12 weeks of the season, how it compares to other years, and and I get your takes on it and all those things. All right, Amari Cooper and said Wilson mispracticed. Dave, at this point, are you ranking Amari Cooper? We did rank Cooper. I think that there's a real good chance that we're going to have to pull him out just because if he doesn't practice by Wednesday, then there's probably little to no chance that he's going to play on Thursday against the Saints. It's one we're watching. If he's out, that's great for Dalton Schultz. It's obviously great for Michael Gallup as well. If he's in, it's really going to downgrade Gallup some and Schultz some. 
and you know it'll be the full complement of weapons for the Cowboys offense if he's there the Saints did not commit to Taysom Hill starting just yet you think that would happen he was taking the first team reps but they didn't say he's the starter they don't it's like they don't want to it might be about they, his they foot. let him compete for the quarterback job in in August. He didn't get it. Easy to hide him at that point. And then when Jameis got hurt, they really they didn't go to him. They went to Trevor Simeon for four straight losses. And now they feel like they have no choice but to go to Taysom Hill. And they're still not ready to like well, commit to him. They've but they've every time, from my recollection, every time they've had a question at quarterback when Drew Brees was hurt last year, the beginning of this year, when Jameis went down they have taken as long as possible i think sean payton believes it's a competitive advantage for the other team to not know whether Taysom hill is the starting quarterback or not and it's a completely stylistically different thing they ran the ball about 10 to 15 percent more last year when Taysom hill was the quarterback the targets were distributed in a different way it is something too different for the defense to prepare for so i kind of get it I also think the foot might still be an issue because I, I really was shocked that they didn't make any type of move during the game last Thursday with how poorly the offense was going. And they said, you know, the broadcaster said that Taysom Hill was really just an emergency quarterback because of his foot injury. So that could be a factor too. Meanwhile, the running backs, Mark Ingram practiced in full, but Alvin Kamara was limited. So Ingram's going to go and you'll start him with a lot of confidence, I assume, if, if Kamara's out. Uh, Kamara may not play. We'll know more, obviously, today, and we'll break down the game in a little bit. Russell Wilson said that Seattle needs to get DK Metcalf the ball. Okay, that's good. Squeaky wheel. Squeaky I'm crickets. glad he's realizing this now. <laughs> well, they tried. You know, they said uh, that, that, they, that Metcalf was being double teamed and... I, th- I think uh, I was just reading one analyst talking about how the, I think it was Jake Heaps that they were um, that they designed some plays for Metcalf and he was open, but on those particular plays, the pass protection didn't hold up and they didn't have time to get it to him. Daniel Jones is going to be questionable for this week. He's currently week to week with a neck strain. Heath, does Mike Lennon change anything for you in terms of ranking the Giants playmakers at Miami? Uh, I, I haven't actually made the change yet. I'll get that done when the podcast is over. But I think what I said last night on the YouTube stream still stands. At the very most, it's going to be like a 10% downgrade for the past catchers, which might take Kenny Galladay from a mid-range number three wide receiver this week, assuming there's no Sterling Shepard or Kadarius Tony to a low-end number three wide receiver. I guess if you really wanted to reach for a positive, the positive could be if Kadarius Tony comes back, his just complete aberration of a game as far as the rest of this season looks like came when Mike Glennon was the quarterback. So maybe there's some connection between the backup quarterback and the backup wide receiver. We've seen that before with backup quarterbacks. And those guys, that, that could have an impact. But for the most part, Maybe it takes Evan Ingram out of the streaming conversation because he's kind of in the borderline streaming conversation, but it's not going to be a huge difference. They don't have a good quarterback now, and there's only so bad a quarterback can be. All right, let's uh, fly through the rest of these notes here so we can get to the big topics for today. Mike Tomlin says he's going to make some changes after getting whipped last week. Seems like a Is lot he of the play ch- music in practice. <laughs> That's what Chase Glaber wants. Do it. 
that'll lead to some wins. And uh, he seems like these changes, the personnel and the alignments and stuff could be on defense mostly. But we'll see what Pittsburgh does coming out of that whipping in a very tight AFC North. Uh, okay, Buffalo defensive. T- Buffalo's getting some good news. Defensive tackle star Latulale, right tackle Spencer Brown. They're coming off the reserve COVID list. And offensive guard John Feliciano practiced ahead of this game against New England. Looks like one to two weeks for both Debo Samuel and and Fred Warner, the wide receiver slash running back and the linebacker for San Francisco. No, don't say that. Don't say that he's a wide receiver slash running back. <laughs> Sorry. It was a joke. Uh, and no. also, um, oh, Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan said, usually with strains, it's one to two weeks. And that's what, that's what uh, Daryl Henderson has. So, you know. Just, just, just throw it out there. Sure, but there's varying degrees. Some are worse than others. Yeah, uh, Keelan Cole is on the reserve COVID list. Jets wide receiver Keelan Cole. He's had a few games recently with some big target volume. Not so much in the last couple weeks. The Raiders will continue to use Marcus Mariota in certain certain packages. And Jawan Jennings, San Francisco wide receiver, he will be the number two while Debo is out, according to the Athletic. So maybe you want to use a guy like Jawan Jennings in your DFS lineup. Well, you can find out if that's a good idea from Frank Stanfield and Mike McClure and Sia Najad, and these guys are DFS experts. All right, They've done very well for themselves in the DFS world, so if you want to make some money and just have fun playing DFS, I mean, I don't play for the money. I just enjoy setting new lineups and getting players on my teams that I don't have on my other uh, fantasy football leagues. Check out the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. Tuesdays and Thursdays, you got pricing, you got strategies, you got formats, different, you know, GPP and, and cash games and all that stuff. Tuesdays and Thursdays, the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast, wherever you listen to FFT. I would also recommend checking out Fantasy Baseball Today right now as all the news breaks. They've got a bunch of emergency podcasts, quick podcasts to get you caught up on the fantasy a- angles, but also, you know, just the baseball angles of every team except for the Yankees signing a whole bunch of players. All right, guys. Observations after 12 weeks. Now, you spend a lot of time doing this, and then Heath says, "Uh, Adam, you screwed up pretty royally last night. And he's right. He's right. So I was looking at running back trends, and uh, the website I was using doesn't have Cordaro Patterson listed as a running back. So we're going to have to add him to to these trends. But basically, if you remove Dontrell Hilliard and his two games, and you look at Per game scoring, nine of the top 10 running backs in non-PPR were drafted in the first two rounds. And eight of the top 10 running backs in full PPR were drafted in the first two rounds. But, but that's now actually eight and seven. Yes. Or eight or seven. you can say nine of the top. Yeah, yes. So it's okay. Eight so of the top 10 and seven of the top 10. Yeah, eight of the top 10 and seven of the top 10 were drafted in the top first two rounds. The exceptions are James Conner, Cordaro Patterson, and in PPR only, Leonard Fournette, although I think he was 11 or something in full PPR per game. Uh, I think yeah, DeAndre so, Swift is 11, maybe. Okay, but. so he's right around there. Um, so what do, you, what do you make of that, Heath? That you, There's still a lot, like most of the, be, of the best running backs have been the guys that we drafted to be the best running backs. Except they haven't been here is the problem. Like That's, that's one of the issues with using um, the points per game. It's generally a much better way to evaluate a fantasy season than is the full season statistics, except for the fact that it doesn't penalize the guys who miss games 
and uh, the guys who were drafted in the first two rounds have missed a lot of games. So you want to so, look? Season, you want to look season long? Because I have that too. Yeah, well, I think I think it's just you kind of have to look at both, but it's a good reminder when you're looking at next year that for the most part, Christian McCaffrey was awesome when he was able to be on the field. Yeah, right. You can say the same thing about Derrick Henry, Kamara. Cook was good enough. So he wasn't so. amazing this year, but he was, you know, sure. wasn't a bust. And that's the thing. I've I've made that point in in uh, preseasons past. As a fantasy industry, when you look at the running backs drafted in the first two rounds, we, not us, just everyone who plays fantasy, we do well. Most of those players... If they're busts, it's because of injuries. It's typically not because of performance. Of course, there are some, but you're talking about a lot of running backs to get drafted in the first two rounds. But okay, so I think that point holds up. Now, season long, I'd say about half of the top 12 has been guys that were drafted in round three or later. So in non-PPR, James Conner is fifth, Fournette is eighth, Swift is 10th, Henderson is 11th, James Robinson is 13th, just outside the top 12. And I think Patterson is sixth. Okay, right. So move, yeah, move some of them back. See, sorry, season long in PPR, you've got Patterson. Note to self, don't let Adam do my taxes. <laughs> you've got Patterson uh, in PPR. You got Patterson in the top five. You've got Fournette, Swift, Connor, Henderson, Gaskin, and Robinson. They're all top fourteen, and none of them were drafted earlier than Robinson, who was RB seventeen. So you do have about half of the top fourteen. Uh, in full PPR, Fournette, Swift, Patterson, in some order, Connor, Henderson, Gaskin, Robinson. Well, I is think this, the, uh, hold on, is this by per game or no, total? No, this is season long. We're not long. Total, total season. Now, now we're on season long, yeah. I, I think the, the interesting thing to to look at from this, because we've, we've said a lot of names and a lot of numbers, and I think there might be some head spinning. Um, except the Patterson thing was fun. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Well, who are the guys who came out of the dead zone? Oh, uh, I don't really know if anybody did. Unless DeAndre you count Swift, DeAndre, sure. DeAndre Swift and James Robinson, if you count that. I would say Miles Gaskin did. Where is he? He's 14th? Yeah. Uh, is that what? No. Let me see where full he season. is. Oh, oh, he's 13th. He's full season. I've got him tied for 16th. <sighs> okay. Full he's, he's somewhere in that range, but he, like, he was a guy who was drafted in the dead zone who has outperformed his ADP. It's so annoying to say yeah, that though. But but I true. think I think the for the most part, it was the younger guys who catch passes. Uh-huh. And so one thing we might try to do when talking about the dead zone next year is really focus on avoiding the guys who are over. 25 or 26 years old or the guys who we don't think are going to catch a lot of passes. Those guys in the dead zone did not Mike Davis fare particularly well. You want to look at the dead zone here? So dead zone starts where late round That's, three. Um, it's yeah. Wherever we decide it does on a given year, not we, I'm not part of that uh, in group, but who, whenever it is decided, I think Ben Gretsch decides Okay. He, like comes out with a big hat on and <laughs> slams a gavel and says, RB16. RB16 is perfect. Okay, here's what RB16 was in full PPR. Let me make sure I'm on full PPR here. Yeah. It was Chris Carson, then James Robinson. This is 32 overall. 
So, Robinson doesn't count. He did a gigantic asterisk on him. I don't know because I feel like that's where he basically ended up, don't you? Around 33rd overall? Right, but he ended up there after, obviously, the ETN injury. Remember, we were taking him in round six. Like, he was, like, out of the dead. He was at the other side of the dead zone. I think the dead zone goes through, like, our round seven. Yeah, so I, I think that this is legitimately okay, where, he's in there. where okay, James he's in. Robinson was. Young young back who caught a bunch of passes. He, he's a win. Josh Jacobs. He's turned out to be okay. Arguable win if he could just stay healthy. It is arguable. De- DeAndre Swift wins. 13 PPR points per game. He's up there. Swift is a, is a crush. Miles Sanders. See, I don't know if Swift is was in the dead zone. He though. was. He, well, his, he was because of his injury. Because he was banged up, right? In, All right, in the preseason. So. Yeah, he was legitimately going in the fourth round. Uh, Miles Sanders. There were actually multiple articles written that DeAndre Swift is the dead zone running back who is going to be good. Oh, yeah. Heath was victory lapping all over the place last night, so I'm just expecting a continuation of that today. Uh, Miles Gaskin was it, next. That was like it's pretty 10 fun. picks later. Yeah, I'm, I'll bet it is. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Uh, then we have Mike. Da- you know, the dead zone really wasn't that bad. Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson. Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds, Gus Edwards, Raheem Mostert, <laughs> Damian yeah, Harris. Not that Damian bad Harris. at all. No, yeah. it's really not. Wait a second. Filled no, with hey, guys that are on. helping me win my league. Excuse me. Don't give me that because if you think about all the running backs that have gotten injured and just list the top five running backs in fantasy, so don't hold Raheem Mostert and Gus Edwards against the dead zone. You have a, a lot of productive guys here. You've got Swift, Jacobs, Sanders has been bad. Gaskin, he's recently been good. He looked like a huge bust. Uh, Mike Davis, bust. Kareem Hunt was great. Javante Williams is usable. Chase Edmonds is usable in full PPR. Uh, Damian Harris has been a pleasant surprise as RB29 off the board. Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Trey Sermon, Ronald Jones. Now it's getting ugly. Michael Carter. This I, I really think the dead zone was pretty good this year. They're not all going to hit, but I think it was pretty good. I think for the most part, though, it was the young pass-catching backs that were really good in the dead zone. And the other guys either got hurt or were bad. Yeah. All right, lesson learned. All right, let's go to our wide receiver trends. So this one shocked me because we we keep talking about how bad wide receiver has been. But really, I, I just looked at points per game for wide receiver 12, 24, and 30 over the last three seasons. And it's very consistent. Wide receiver 12 has actually gone up three straight years, 15.6 to 16.6 to 17.3. It was 17.3 also four years ago. And wide receiver 13 is 16.8. So it's pretty consistent. But wide receiver 24, PPR points per game last three years, 14.3, 14.6, 14.5. Wide receiver 30, 13.6, 13.9, 13.6. And by the way, I did this. I took away players who played fewer than eight games in uh, the previous four years and fewer than five games this year. So that really surprised so you me. Did it. No, I mean, I'm not going to count a guy who played one game. Well, um, sure, that's fine. Um, yeah, that surprised me that, that it's been wide receiver 12, 24, and 30 in PPR basically the same as it was each of the previous two years because it feels kind of icky. And I do wonder what it's going to look like at the end of the year as past production has cratered over the last five weeks but uh heath what do you think about this i well i i think the thing is it's there's so many guys 
um, who have been, I just imagine Dave next year when he's running his um, consistency spreadsheet mm-hmm. at the wide receiver position and Excel just breaks <laughs> and doesn't work for him anymore because there's so many guys who, like if you just look at the numbers and say, well, 14.7 points per game for DJ Moore, that's been just about what we drafted him to be. Tyler Lockett, 14.13.6. Um, Mike Williams is still going to show up at the decent fantasy points per game. He's at 14.8. There's so many monster performances from the wide receivers. And then like month-long stretches where we can't do anything with them other than yeah. put them in our wide receiver three spot because fantasy football is so easy. Um, and so shot at it, me. It has been really a strange year at wide receiver, but it's interesting that it hasn't really been a, a bad year. Um, like yeah. some of these numbers that I'm looking at right now, Elijah Moore has averaged a tenth of a point more per game than Devontae Smith. Hmm. And they've just had wildly different years. How about Devontae Smith is RB is wide receiver 43? Well, you have to take away a guy like Cyril Grayson. He's like wide receiver 42, actually, I think. Um eh, right around 40, 41. But that's still, I mean, that's not good. And yet we start him. I start him every week in two leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to reevaluate that. But but like, but then we have the conversation every week. What are we gonna do with DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin? Yeah. And yeah, they've been that's our answer every week. It's almost always you're starting right, them. Just start them. But that's that. <laughs> Maybe we need to reevaluate. I don't know. But well, that's, there aren't enough but, wide receivers. To what start is it? Over right, them. What I'm saying is, what is it about Devonte Smith that you just keep starting him while also questioning DJ Moore and Terry? No, McCoy? I. Well, first of all, it's league specific. Uh, you know, I think because people have people start more in McLaurin over. Devonte Smith, uh, so I think it's I think Rightfully. it's that yeah yeah and right. So I I don't I think that I would I would start those guys over Devonte Smith. They're all I mean I personally start them in two leagues. I don't have a better option in at least in the podcast league. But I might consider starting Chase Claypool over Devonte Smith now. You know I could go that route. I'll get Chase Edmonds back at some point. I don't consider Devonte Smith a must start in my other. And league. Chase Claypool has been better than Devonte Smith. 12.1 fantasy points per game. Right behind Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dave, any final thoughts on the wide receivers this year? Yes. Uh, I I anticipate saying that wide receiver scoring, we may have to revise expectations. Like every year, the number that I always use is 15 PPR points. That's the number that when in a PPR league, that's what I'm shooting for from any receiver who I start. But I think that number might come down a little bit. And it's based usually on what the top 24 average is, or what the top 12 average is, excuse me, uh, for wide receivers. That's what constitutes for me a good fantasy week. Maybe that number comes down to 14 or 13. And if we do that for the rest of the year, you look at a player that you're considering starting, and if you think that he can get to 13 PPR points, you just have to kind of condition your brain to think that that's an okay number at this point. Then he's certainly in the conversation to start. Somebody like a Chase Claypool. Maybe not somebody like a Devontae Smith. I don't know how often he's gotten over 13 PPR points this year. Someone can tell me that. But the other thing that you can consider with any wide receiver is, does he have the potential to have a smash week? Yeah. Because really, that's what fantasy football is all about this year. And it's really about this every year. 
is about having players on your team that have those big weeks. And if you have two or three of them that have big weeks at the same time, you're going to win your matchup for that week. Like if you had Joe Mixon last week or Austin Eckler a couple weeks ago when he had four touchdowns, anybody that has that monster game, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to put up enough points to dominate with the other players on your team putting up DJ Moore-like numbers where it's around 12 to 13 to 14. Yeah, That's what you're hoping for when you start these wide receivers at this point. And it's a different story with studs like Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, the guys that you know you're starting anyway, Tyreek Hill. You know what the expectation is. But for everybody else, it's, okay, number one, can you get me to 13 PPR points? Number two, does he have upside? And if you can answer yes to both those questions, you've got a starting fantasy receiver. I I think for me, and the one thing I'm going to try to work on this offseason with receivers, and you know I'm a little bit more towards the touchdowns are random end of the spectrum, I think. Um, I think it's most true at this position. Partially because a lot of these guys are going to finish between six and ten touchdowns. It's not like the running backs where they might score a touchdown almost every week, and you can just count on those guys to do that. And so Dave mentioned that 12-point threshold. I'd really like to get the guys who can give me 12 points without a touchdown. And then you just count the touchdowns as gravy. Uh, Yeah, I... uh... Like Jacoby Meyer. I have some research on this touchdown yeah, stuff. He, Maybe he's a little too low for that. Well, the Jacoby Myers is one. Like there's occasionally, and DJ Moore is rapidly approaching and maybe has even oh, reached that's that point. that's a better example. Yeah. There, there are guys who I eventually have to come to accept are not completely random in their touchdown scoring. There yeah. are guys like Adam Thielen and Mike Evans, right. who if I evaluated them like a standard wide receiver, they'd never rank ahead of wide receiver 30. Right. Um, but they score touchdowns all the time. And Jacoby Myers is the flip side of those guys. Right. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to get into the tight end notes in just a second, the tight end trends. But all right, what I do after the podcast, you know, I'm talking for an hour or whatever, get a little dehydrated. I do my editing, finish the show, go upstairs, glass of water, some liquid IV stirred in there. I got like eight different flavors. I'm partial to the strawberry. And I get hydrated. And this is a really important time to do that. The colder weather makes it easier to miss signs of dehydration, like overheating or perspiration, which means it's even more important to keep your body properly hydrated right now, especially with flu season in full swing. So proper hydration and vitamins can help support a strong immune system. And I just feel better. First of all, we're talking about Liquid IV here. That's our sponsor. And you you can actually get Liquid IV in Walmart. You can get your favorite Liquid IV flavors nationwide at Walmart or get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code FFT at checkout, liquidiv.com, and the code is FFT for 25% off. But uh, Liquid Liquid IV, it hydrates faster. It has five essential vitamins. It has more vitamin C than an orange and as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than the sugary sports drinks. There are no artificial flavors or preservatives. There's less sugar than an apple. And it tastes really good. You're not drinking. It's not like when I take emergency when I'm sick and I have to like hold my nose to drink it. This is delicious. My kid makes me give it to him every time I have a glass of liquid IV. So uh, you should get it. Get hydrated. Have a glass of water with some liquid IV. It's delicious. You're going to love it. And you can get it at Walmart or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code FFT at checkout. 
Why not make your water better? Water's kind of boring. 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using the promo code FFT at liquidiv.com. And the tight end trends, I talked about this going into the year, and that is that almost every tight end who finishes as a top five guy is first or second on his team in targets. And that is the case again this year with Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, and Dalton Schultz is currently in PPR number five. He is one target ahead of Amari Cooper. And as he falls off in targets share, I anticipate he will no longer be a top five tight end. Um, but it is something that I look at. I think if you have any chance of being a top five tight end, you got to be top two in targets. But Dave, that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed it. If you're top two in targets, I'm sure. I think like I think Mike Kosicki's sixth though, at tight end and scoring. But yeah, I mean there are definitely guys who are top two on their team and and don't get there. I don't know if you care about this trend at all, but I care have, about this targets. trend. I, and I'm wondering, this is something we're going to have to check on after the season. But it feels like there's an uptick in targets for tight ends this year compared to years past. I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? Do you feel like there are more tight ends that are getting? six plus targets per game than there were last year i can look that up in a matter of moments um now i have a question adam Uh and you are here using full season not per game numbers is that right correct you've got tj hawkinson as a top five tight end correct okay i'll tell you who the top five per game are and let's see if they're top two in targets uh, Kelsey. Well, that, I mean, because that's that's the problem. I can't really do that with this exercise. I can't say if Gronkowski's top two in targets. He's number two per game, but obviously he's not top two in targets on his team. Uh, yeah. So I, I I think that's a good like I think that's a good point. I don't know if Rob Gronkowski had played every game this season if he would still be number two at tight end. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So I've got. Tight ends with averaging six targets per game this season. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Mike Gesicki, George Kittle, and Dalton Schultz. So that is a grand eight. total of eight. And last year? Last year. Uh, what's 16 times six? <laughs> I'll just 16 times there. six? Well, but there's a lot of guys who missed games. Yeah. We had Travis, Kelsey, Mark okay, Andrews, Darren oh, Waller, TJ. It. Nope, that's the wrong list. Let's see. Well, Waller, Kelsey, Logan Thomas, Evan Ingram, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and then... Uh, I feel like we're just saying names now. Who, what is this? I think it's... Um, no, I'm talking about players who had six or more targets per game, but I can't do the math. It, I think it's probably pretty close. All right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm having a real hard time with my 2020 target tool, so I'm letting you down. I'm gonna say there were more. Mm, I'm gonna say it's about the same. And with that, let's move on. It might be that way. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to the trustometer. All right. We want to know who you can trust down the stretch. I asked you on Twitter. I took some of the most popular answers. Also, Heath specifically wanted to talk about the Tampa Bay passing game and the Dallas passing game. Uh, hopefully, Cooper plays this week, but at some point soon, you know, Brown could be back this week. Cooper could be back next week or this week. Everyone's back as of right now. So, Dave, I'll give you the first word. In the Tampa Bay passing game, who do you think you can trust 
And their remaining schedule is Atlanta, Buffalo, New Orleans. Always gives them fits. Carolina, Jets, and Carolina again in Week 18. So what do you think about the Bucks? I'm going back to what I said earlier about wide receivers and who's startable in fantasy football this year. If there's a guy that's got 13 PPR point potential and has upside for way more, that's someone that you can trust in your fantasy lineup. I think Mike Evans is clearly one of those guys. I think Godwin is pretty much one of those guys. I think Antonio Brown, when he comes back, is still one of those guys. Will there be weeks where all three of them go off? Maybe one, but most weeks, one or two of them will have a good game, and that's why you're starting all three, because they've got the upside, and they've got potential to have a modest game on top of it. I don't know how many games these three receivers will have remaining where they have four catches for 40 yards, and that's it, and they leave you with a real booger. I think they're going to end up being serviceable fantasy starters who will help you at points this year, and that's why you're going to use them and trust them. And I mean, obviously, I'm going to have a little bit of a bigger problem with Mike Evans just because of how touchdown... I mean, he's basically a tight end in terms of fantasy production. His yards per game are almost exactly what Gronks are. Um, he, in his last six games has games of two for 27, two for 48, two for 62, three for 16. Those terrify me. Now, he scored touchdowns in three of those games, two of those games, and he, so he was okay. And in two of those games, he was a complete disaster. I think you've got a real risk in your fantasy playoffs that Mike Evans is going to lay one of those eggs. Another- so if Elijah Moore is your other receiver... How many of those games are you going to start more ahead of Mike Evans? I mean, in the fantasy playoffs, that answer is probably going to be determined by the next week or two. Well, um, week, 15, I, week 15 is against New Orleans. And we right. and that is never good for Mike Evans. He's just terrible against New Orleans. Fine. So that's one game where I'll <laughs> feel some confidence in sitting Mike Evans. Well, what about week 14? That might Buffalo? be the game. I don't know who Elijah Moore plays in week 15 or who his quarterback will be in week 15, but just as an example, I'm not, I, I can't say with certainty that I'm going to start more ahead of Evans that game. Uh, there's a trend to keep an eye on here, too, and that's it's happening league wide. We did a really, I think, a really interesting discussion on this on Monday's show. Chris Towers has documented it nicely. A dot is just down. You know, teams are starting yes. throwing downfield. And if you look at Chris Godwin's A dot over the last four games, it's like around five yards. It's crazy. But Evans also, his A dot is lower. And so he's not, you know, getting the home run play as much. Uh, so if that continues, then that really could impact him. Some, just Doesn't this to keep tie into the whole notion that teams are playing more? Cover two, cover three, the softer zone coverage, daring offenses to run the football, mm-hmm. making them go dink and dunk downfield, taking away these explosive passing offenses that the NFL tried to get going and did get going for a long time, and now they're not. And so it's you know the pendulum swinging in the other direction where, and this is why I think running back production might be up this year because they're they're getting more work. The defenses are easier to run against. And receivers are seeing shorter passes thrown to them because of the way that defenses are dictating how they play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, it really is very fascinating what's going on here. Hopefully, I mean, it's kind of boring. So I hope it's just a five week blip. 
but it's it's an interesting trend. Check out the Monday podcast if you want to hear about it. Uh, all right, to sum it up here, who's your favorite Bucks wide receiver starting right now? I think by default, it's it's either Godwin or Evans by default because we just can't say for sure that Brown's coming back this week. It sounds like he's uh, sorry. Back. So then, whenever Brown gets back, when they're all three healthy, who's going to be my favorite? Who would be the one that I would start every week? No, because you might start all of them every week. Who's the one you're going to rank the highest? It'll be Evans, except for the week against New Orleans. That week, it'll either be it'll be Godwin, unless Brown starts to pop off again. It, it might be it, Brown. It's Godwin for me until Brown shows that he's 100, percent and then it's probably Brown. Okay, uh, the Dallas passing game. So he's what, yeah, all right. He, well, Heath, I'll let you start. What's your take here on the Dallas passing game? Their schedule rest of season at New Orleans, at Washington, at the Giants, then Washington, Arizona, at Philadelphia in week 18. I, I think it's going to be, I hope it's going to be easier. I'm, you're starting CeeDee Lamb. I'm most likely when he's 100% going to start Amari Cooper. Um, I'm probably not going to start Michael Gallup as anything more than a boom or bust flex option. The one who is difficult, um, and we just don't know yet is Dalton Schultz, because I, I do know that the fact that they've been shorthanded this year has definitely given Dalton Schultz a boost. But I also know that each of the past two seasons, the Cowboys have had a borderline top 12 tight end at the end of the year. One year it was Jason Witten. Last year it was Dalton Schultz. So I I don't think that they're. I think it's more likely that Cooper and or Gallup struggle than that Schultz role just disappears. They they have a role in this offense for six plus targets to go to tight ends, and I don't think that's going to change just because all the wide receivers are healthy. Dave, what do you think? Is this easy? Yeah, it's easy for me. Lamb's the guy. Lamb is the one that Dak Prescott loves that's been really proven over the last month or so, I'd say. And I mean, he's throwing the Lamb even when he's covered. So I think Lamb's going to be the one that leads them in targets from here on out. He's the must-start of the group. Cooper is only at two games north of 15 PPR fantasy points this year. So I hesitate to say that he's a slam dunk as a number two fantasy receiver. But if we're, we're going to use this strategy that I talked about where there's a floor or, you know, uh, a 13 point margin that we're looking for. Like, I think he can hit that the majority of the time, but there will be more receivers that you'll compare to him and say, all right, maybe I'll sit Cooper for this guy or that guy compared to somebody on Tampa Bay Gallup to me. I agree with Heath. Like it would surprise me if people are cutting him by the time we get to the fantasy playoffs, because how many bench receivers do you really need when you get to that point of the year? And Schultz has not been a high target volume tight end when the other wide receivers are healthy, uh, when all three receivers, I should say, are healthy in Dallas. That was proven in the you know small sample size here because they haven't all been healthy at the same time. But first half of week one, the first game when Gallup came back, we really saw Dalton Schultz's target rate share just completely collapse. And he can still finish as a top 12 fantasy tight end if his numbers dip in the last month of the season. Right now, he's I think he's like eighth in PPR. But that first Fifth. half of week one, though, that's back when we and the Cowboys, neither one seemed to know who their number one tight end was, right? Did, weren't there like two or three targets in that first half for Blake Jarwin? They were kind of splitting things between Schultz and Jarwin? You might be right about that. But then in the second half, once 
Gallup was out. It was Jar. It was Schultz rather who really started to step up. I think look, Cooper, look, even in the game, even in the game recently, more recently, when all three receivers were healthy, Schultz had an end zone target. He had a ball that could have very easily been caught for a touchdown. Yeah, that would have at least helped him out a little bit more. But I'm just looking strictly at target volume, and I think yeah. that he gets overlooked when all the other receivers are healthy. Of course, there's going to be a game or two once all three receivers are healthy where he scores or he picks up five targets and turns it into 10 PPR points. But I'm I'm going to be less interested in starting him when Cooper is 100% back. I mean, Cooper, you just look at Cooper's game logs. He is not justifying must-start status. But he does have that big upside that you talked about, Dave, where he could help you win a week big time. But yeah, it's only two games of more than 70 yards this season. One of them is actually without Dak Prescott. Um, and this week, I'd be, I mean, I'll get your thoughts on it, but I might be a little concerned because, you know, I've heard players talk about the fatigue they have when they come back from COVID. So, like, Rodgers, for example, was the latest, uh, and he's missed a lot of time. Okay. Uh, and Cooper's it, still not, like, all the way back yet. Right. There's been reports that he's still coughing and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know what having a cough means, but it does mean that he can't, he, that he's still on the reserve COVID list, you know, that he can't. Uh, do all the things that that he wants to do right now. All right, uh, third one here from Heath is Decoy Metcalf the best or the worst nickname? I think it's the best. I think it's excellent. Dave, you approve the nickname? Is it better than Amari Pooper? <laughs> yes, it is better. It is more clever. Uh, Decoy Metcalf. Do you tr- do you guys trust? Well, let's go fast here, guys, so we have time to preview the game and do some fantasy cops. Do you trust DK Metcalf down the stretch? It's getting harder, but yes. Um, not particularly. And I think like this game on Thursday really illustrates because I do a terrible job. I did a terrible job last night on the on the stream trying to explain the thing that I struggle with. And I know a lot of people don't, but this start your studs or I can't sit names. Um, because we're going to have a real discussion about Ezekiel Elliott right now. And from my perspective, Ezekiel Elliott's a bigger name than DK Metcalf. Yeah, okay. So Heath is saying, Heath, uh, I said yesterday, I can't sit DK Metcalf for who? Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman, yeah. And uh, I think that's a different conversation than is DK Metcalf or Ezekiel Elliott a, a stud, you know, uh, a bigger name. Um, I. Yeah, I can't sit DK Metcalf for another guy that is extremely frustrating and hasn't really been good lately in Michael Pittman. If you said, can you sit DK Metcalf for Brandon Ayuk or something like that? Like I I would I'm not gonna do that, but I think it's more worthwhile than Pittman, who's quarterback through twenty times last time he faced the Texans and Pittman had three targets. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sitting Metcalf for another guy that I'm really nervous about. But in terms of Zeke, it's a bunch of things. He's injured. He's not playing well. He's had nine carries, I think, in two straight games. Receiving core is back to better health, and Dak Prescott's thrown 44 or more times in two straight games, so I don't think he's going to get six catches, per se. And he's facing the best run defense in football. I I don't think it's the same thing saying, I can't sit DK Metcalf and I can't sit Ezekiel Elliott. Uh I think and that's what I that's what I struggle with because I think you I mean there's lots of things that are going wrong for DK Metcalf. He's been much worse over the past month than Ezekiel Elliott has. Even when Ezekiel Elliott has struggled, he's mostly still been a starting 
running back. You look at DK Metcalf, and he scored 14 fantasy points over his last three games. Michael right. Pittman and DK yeah. Metcalf have are within one-tenth of a point of each other for the season, and Pittman's been better lately than DK. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. So yeah. I think that it comes down to uh, I can't find enough wide receivers to start over Metcalf. If you're asking me just a, a flex, Zeke versus Metcalf, that would be a pretty tough call, I guess. So... See, I, that, and I don't know. Okay. I could see a scenario where I have two better two running backs I like better than Zeke. Look, I so so the only league I have Zeke in, I have Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams, and Tony Pollard. Zeke's gonna end up in my lineup. You know? Um I get it. Yeah, but I think they're both yeah, I think it's both uh it, you it, know why? It, you know what? Because Zeke is hurt. Zeke is hurt. Metcalf is not. I think that's the other thing. It's like, I know, I really don't think Zeke can have a big performance, whereas I do think Metcalf can have a huge performance, specifically this week. I do think Metcalf could go off, and I don't see that for Zeke. They're both, I I feel like they're both touchdown dependent at this point. I don't think Metcalf has to be, though. You have more FOMO. Well, how many 100-yard games does Metcalf have this year? With Wilson, he only has one. But I, I don't feel like he needs to be. That's like I don't, Do you know I don't how it. many points Zeke has scored lately? I know, but I just laid out all the reasons why I'm nervous about that. He said six catches. None, each of, these, of, none of those things are new, though. Yes, they are. It's the Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb coming back, if Cooper's back. that And the fact that I think Dallas wins this game, and they throw a lot less when they win than compared to when they lose. So I just don't, uh, I just don't see the six catches. Also, it's the Saints. Sure. It's the best run defense in football. Right, so then you're saying that he'll just continue to be horribly inefficient. Yeah, I think so. And that instead of having six catches, he might have three catches, but he might have 12 carries in the game. But that's worse for him because he's not going to average very many yes. yards per carry compared to yards per catch. He better score you that touchdown. This is the worst puts him six in that number two running back range of his career. This is the worst six I, game stretch of his is. career. Well, he's hurt. He's playing hurt. I know. Uh, he's clearly losing playing time to Pollard. Pollard's played at least 40% of the snaps two of the last three games. One of those games was against Atlanta. It was a total blowout. Last week, a much closer game against Las Vegas, and he still had that work. So I think that the coaching staff is seeing what we're all seeing, which is Pollard is more explosive, and the stats bear it out. He's better after contact. He's got more explosive plays. Zeke has zero explosive plays over the last three games. So I'm... I'm I'm pretty much convinced that Zeke is a touchdown needy running back who at least will get more work than Pollard, which is why I'm willing to start him ahead of Pollard. It's when you when you match him up to somebody like Metcalf, I see Metcalf as seven plus targets, even though last week it was terrible. But the fact that they're talking, we got to give him the ball more, et cetera, et cetera. I think they will. And one 100 yard game this year. And that includes a game where he played against New Orleans and he had a big catch and run for a touchdown. Like I, I think that Metcalf qualifies as a as a touchdown needy receiver at this point. But I think he's got the chance of getting more yards than Zeke. So I'm starting Metcalf ahead of Zeke this year or this year, this week, uh, in full PPR. And I and I just want to clarify because all the Zeke stuff you said I agree with. I have him like 19th at running back. I would start Miles Gaskin and Elijah oh, man, Mitchell and Jamal Williams and we've hit the apocalypse if we're like, doing all, all that. All, but it's, all these I'm, running backs, I would start I would, over yeah. Zeke. I'm I'm not trying to stand for Zeke so much. What I'm trying to get to the bottom of, and I've apparently still done a bad job of it, is that there are some guys who like all those things you said about Zeke. I agree with. I think you can make a similar case against big name players like DK Metcalf this week, but on a regular basis, and I'm 
a lot of the time, the response I get is start your studs. You can't sit that guy. Yeah, I don't agree with that blanket philosophy. And I think also what makes DK Metcalf a stud is partially Russell Wilson. So there's no way that I still think that DK Metcalf is the same player because I don't think Russell Wilson is the same player. And this is this offense is terrible. They have no running game. They're the worst third down team. They have the ball for about 24 minutes a game. I don't think Metcalf is You're the just same worried player. that he's going to have a big game on your bench. Yeah, he's one play away from that. I guess he's kind of like Tyler Lockett and they just said they need to get him more involved and I I don't, you know, I wouldn't have him, you know, I don't do rankings. He would not be a top 12 wide receiver. I don't know where he'd fall this week. He's not. But not for me. No, I look, I, I think we're on the same page. I mean, I, you have to downgrade DK Metcalf, but especially in a three receiver league, I can't imagine that so would you still I'm start Metcalf here. over Lockett? I yeah, would I would. He's got more targets. Uh, I think uh, I think I would. I think I would. I, as, they got to get him going. I, I think they're really going to make a conscious effort to do it. Sure, but as bad of a passer as Russell Wilson's been over the last three weeks, Lockett's had some good numbers. Certainly better than DK Metcalf's. I yeah. think the so difference... Can't be all this, bad. This could be wrong, but Tyler Lockett, the, he could have had two touchdowns. In that game last week, Tyler Lockett finds himself 20 yards away from any other defender. Mm -hmm. There's not any plays that I can recall where DK Metcalf has running down the field and there's just no defenders within 20 yards of him. I think that's because there's always two defenders within 10 yards of him. That that could be entirely, or you could be selling Tyler Lockett a little bit short. No, I love Lockett. I mean, Lockett's great, but but they said that he was being double teamed a lot, and I bet you could probably look that up, Dave. You can look up anything on True Media. You're the king of that. Uh, I think Metcalf's getting a ton. I mean, look, if you look at the touchdown that Gerald Everett caught, DJ Metcalf's got two guys draped all over him, and Everett runs underneath that, basically, and he's got one-on-one. So Metcalf has leads to the team in targets since Russell Wilson came back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. This has been really interesting conversations, honestly. But just because there's a lot left on the show and not that much time, let's fly through the rest here so we can preview the Thursday night game. This is from Tanley. How much? And this I'm talking 30 seconds at most per guy here. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, how much do you trust James Conner? I do. Uh, Nine until Chase Edmonds is all the way back. And then he'll be like a seven. Yep. Nine and six. Uh, from Mark, Clyde Edwards. Ten and six. Ten and six. Ten. Okay. Um, uh, Clyde Edwards Ealer. Six. Four. Nick Rogers asks about Michael Pittman. How much do you trust him? Would you start Clyde over Zeke this week? I I'm would. not there. I would. Okay. I would not. Um, who was the next name? Nick Rogers. Well, his name is Nick Rogers. He's asking about Michael. Uh, Nick Rogers gets a 10. Michael (laughs) Pittman gets a seven, seven in PPR, six and nine. Yeah. I was going to say six or seven. He's a, he's a starting wide receiver. I hate his schedule though. Uh, it's true. You know, could have a low target game this week and, then a bye, then New England, right. then Arizona. And they've been elite I mean, against maybe, number ones. I'm I'm amending my trust meter. I'm going to knock him down a peg for each six and five because last week was the perfect type of game for him. Colts had to throw the ball. He had ten targets. Still didn't even have ten PPR points. All right, that's Michael Pittman. Uh, Javante Williams, straight six. Um, 
Slightly more than Clyde, so I'll say five. Okay, something to keep an eye on for you fantasy managers with Javante Williams. He averages 13.2 carries in wins, 7.6 carries in losses. The problem with that stat is they they play very few close games. They've had a bunch of blowout wins and losses. So, um, you know, in a close win, he had nine carries against Washington. In a close loss, he had four carries at Cleveland, but they barely had the ball in that game. Uh, Aaron Jones. How much do you trust Aaron Jones? And again, listen to the Monday show. We did a great dive on Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, guys, how much do you trust Aaron Jones? Seven. I... Like I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna say five, six, five and a half. I think he's gonna get four catches a game. So PPR gotta be high. It's a nice start. You don't don't know if they're gonna throw to him or Dillon. I think they they're gonna throw throw to both of them. But I think Jones will have more than Dillon. And I think once I I don't think what happened in Week Twelve is gonna be indicative of how it's gonna go the rest of the way. There will be a closer split in terms of touches between the two of them. But what about what happened the two weeks before Jones got hurt? How there was there was one week where Dylan had more carries. Gap between them, right? But they were still pretty close. And then there was they, one week where Dylan had four catches and Jones had zero. Right, yeah, but that was I such mean, an anomaly. I mean, Jones so many catches for Aaron Jones. He um, does not have more than sixty rushing yards since week six. Um, it's true. Yeah, it's a little gross. All right, I, I can forgive him for for last week. I wasn't a big fan of his last week. Okay, I, uh, we'll next up, Jamar we'll Chase. How, how much do you trust Jamar Chase? Still an eight. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't feel like trust is the like. I I think I might. I'm just starting Jamar Chase. I might be where, with Jamar Chase where you are with DK Metcalf. Okay. I'm probably also with Jamar Chase where I am with DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, I, uh, Kyle Pitts. I want to say three, but there just aren't enough players who qualify as a tight end in fantasy football that I can just absolutely sink him. Like, I'm still going to start him ahead of Gerald Everett. You can still say three, and you can say three is a top eight tight end. But that's not how I really feel the trust meter should go. I'm going to put him at a... I'm going to put him at a six. Because my I'm, level... Go ahead. I'm kind of done here. I'm kind of done with Kyle Pitts. My you know how many targets trust. he's had in the red zone since the bye week? Zero. Since, uh, more than zero. Come on, Heath. Way more than zero. One. He's had one. Um. Yeah, one. my trust level on Foster Moreau and Logan Thomas and Mike Gesicki and Dawson Knox, like my trust level on those guys is not better than three. And so I'm going to continue to start Kyle Pitts. But he's a three for me. <laughs> okay, let's take a break here on Fantasy he, Football And you want to today. talk about a guy getting double teamed. That Go look at the touchdown to Russell Gage last week. And Pitts was right. mobbed. He really affected three defenders and helped Russell Gage get open for the touchdown. He's Julio Jones part two. That's how you Electric get one Julio. red zone target. All right, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll finish off with Dallas and New Orleans. If we have time, we'll get to Fantasy Cops. I shouldn't even tease that because I don't know if that will have time. I don't know if we'll have enough time. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with the Saints and Cowboys after this.
What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Here's your stat of the game for Saints and Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott. No, 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 no. Ezekiel Elliott, this is where he has finished in non-PPR over the last six weeks. RB 20, 29, 33, 7, 24, and 19. Only one finish higher than RB 19. That was when he scored two touchdowns against Atlanta. What about PPR? Much different story, much better results. Three top 14 finishes. One time he was 10th. That was his highest finish. Uh, And the other three weeks, he was 26th, 28th, and 17th. So two bad games in full PPR. He's been 17th or better in four of the other six weeks. Um, So that's something to, you know, that's something to bank on with Zeke. Also, apparently he's going to get a huge load this week, according to Jerry Jones. But I already outlined my concerns about the catches. You know, you look at the last two games, Dak Prescott threw... 43 or more times, both times. They lost both games. They didn't have Cooper or Lamb for much of those two games. Cooper for all of those two games. So that's my reason why I'm, I'm a little nervous about the catches. Anyway, he's the he's the guy we got to focus on. First of all, Zeke or Pollard? Zeke or Pollard? Zeke. Zeke. Okay. And Zeke, where did you end up ranking him? I think Heath said about 18th. Dave, what about you with Zeke? I currently have him 16th in PPR and right around that same range in non-PPR is a touchdown dependent running back who should still see around 15 touches. Okay. I, I think like it's interesting to talk about. I've got him 19th now because I just forgot that I hadn't moved Antonio Gibson up with McKissick out. Um, But I'm starting him over both the Broncos. I'm starting him over both the Chiefs. Starting him over both the Patriots. Starting him over Devontae Freeman. Um, it, I've got a range of those really, really great names. Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott, right in my mid-range number two running back range. And that's that's just where he is. Staying on the running backs then, if Kamara is out, would it, it would be easy to start Ingram over Zeke, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ingram would be a must start. For me. Yeah. Yes, I, I would do the same. And if Kamara is in... What do you do with Alvin Kamara? The Dallas run defense, really, it's not very good. They just, they don't give up a lot of, I noticed one thing about them because they're like eighth or something against running backs or sixth. They don't give up a lot of big games. There's only been three running backs that have scored more than 17 PPR points. And, you know, that's obviously really good, but uh, 17, but there's only been three of them. And so so there aren't a ton of huge games against the Cowboys from running backs. So where would you put uh, Kamara? There have been some decent games against running backs. They're kind of middle of the pack, even though they're 10th in the league right now in rush defense. 
Uh, their last seven games, seven total touchdowns allowed, four running backs with at least 95-plus total yards. Two of them were Denver running backs in that weird loss that they had uh, several weeks ago. Kamara's a must-start, top-10 type of fantasy running back. If he's out there, I'm starting him. I know what the upside is. I know even with Taysom Hill there, he might steal a touchdown. I still And maybe take away some targets from Kamara. But I still expect Kamara to be a generator of the offense for New Orleans if he's out there, and I would count on him to be good for fantasy purposes. I'm uh, I'm more pessimistic, more concerned. Um, just because I mean, there's just there's too many factors for me that cause me a little bit of pause. One, first game back from an extended absence. We've seen multiple times with running backs this season coming back their first game back from injury. They don't get the same workload that we're accustomed to them accustomed to them getting. Two, I'm projecting Taysom Hill to start. He averaged 10 rush attempts himself last year. And in three of the four games that he started, Alvin Kamara had 10 or fewer receiving yards. That gives me cause. The third one is the Mark Ingram factor. If you tell me they're going to run the ball 35 times in this game against Dallas, and that might be a little bit high if Dallas gets out to an early lead, but 35 times and 10 of them are going to Taysom Hill and 10 to 12 of them are going to Mark Ingram, then you're looking at 13 to 15 carries for Alvin Kamara and maybe not a whole lot in the passing game. Yeah, obviously the production with Taysom Hill was concerning. He did have a rushing touchdown in three of those four games, but the catches were so low except for one game. That was against Philadelphia, and that was the only game they lost. So if you want to be a little more optimistic about Kamara catching passes with Hill, they went 3-1 and one in those games. When they lost, he had a bunch of catches, and Michael Thomas was getting a third of the targets from Taysom Hill, and he's not there. True. So I think they'd be foolish not to throw to Kamara, but he's also he's been about a three-catch guy most weeks, three, four catches. He's not the old Alvin Kamara. He's been doing more rushing this year. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, you know, it's frustrating. Keith, sorry. It's this game being on Thursday when we have, I really feel like Jamal Williams is going to be the guy. I think Swift's going to be out, but we don't know about Daryl Henderson and we don't know about, uh, Miles Sanders. So some of the replacement guys that you might want to use over, I don't know, maybe if you would use them over Kamara and Zeke, um, you just don't know. You don't, you're you not going to know on Thursday night. Yeah, the the only replacement guy that I would use over Kamara and Zeke, based on the information we have right now, is Jamal Williams. Um, but there are a lot of running backs. Oh, oh Madison. 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 Yeah, so there's yeah. two of them. And there are a lot <laughs> of running backs who were drafted round four or five or later who I would start over him. Fournette, James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, Cordero Patterson, Josh Jacobs. Um, so that, that keeps him outside of my top 12. The only, uh, the easy calls in this game are probably for Dave. It seems like Camaro would be one. If Camaro's out, Ingram would be a must start. Uh, Dak is a must start. He's top six for everyone. I think he's second for Dave. Uh, he's first for Dave. No, Dak is first. Yeah. For me. And lamb, everyone's going to start lamb, but we got a lot of tough calls here. So let's start with, uh, do you think Tony Pollard is worth flexing this week? Uh, yes. I think he's worth starting. Yeah. Why do you think he's worth starting? Because, I mean, the Saints are just so good against the run. And he's usually a guy, if you're lucky to get 10, you get about 9, 10 PPR points out of Pollard most weeks. He's only got sure. he's only got one game with more than 10 PPR points. You know why? Because he only has one touchdown this year. He doesn't get the touchdowns. Which is obviously a problem, but if he's going to continue oh, working on, sorry, yeah. 
Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the last six games the, when Zeke started struggling. He's got 10 PPR yeah, points in two of his last three. Uh, I've got him with nine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. He, he's got 15, 9, and 10 PPR points in his last three games. It feels okay. like the only way he's going to break through that ceiling, though, is if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play or is in a really limited role, which it doesn't sound like we can count on happening. So that puts him in the flex territory for me. And I just think that his explosiveness, especially on the outer edges, it'll negate a lot of what that Saints defense does up front. It would be smart if they used him that way and certainly used him more in the passing game. I already talked about how they used him more last week in a competitive game, over 40% of the snaps. That's good. And uh, he's he's got 13 rushes of 5-plus yards, three rushes of 12-plus yards, compared to Zeke, who has 17 rushes of 5-plus yards, but zero rushes of 12-plus yards. Cowboys have to take notice of that. They've got to find ways to get the ball in his hands and let him make a couple of big plays. I do think... It, it should be mentioned whenever we give those types of numbers about Zeke and Pollard, they're being used in wildly different ways. They are putting Tony Pollard in space on jet sweeps and end arounds and all kinds of fun things. And a lot of the time when Zeke is carrying the ball, he's running just between the, not just between the tackles, but between the guards. Like I don't know if Zeke I I believe if Zeke had every touch that Tony Pollard had and Pollard had every touch that Zeke had, Pollard's efficiency would be much worse and Zeke's efficiency would be better. Zeke does not have a carry. would be that much better. Zeke does not have a carry of longer than 11 yards in any of his last five games. Right. He's just well, not. Did, didn't Dave just, just say right. he doesn't have longer than 12 yards this year? Uh, no. No. No, no. Oh. That's the last five games. Yeah, last right. five games. Too. Okay, so he, the same thing that happened. Yes, but I'm reiterating. He's, he's he's not. He's just not the same. He's just not right. But I'm, and this but is I the best run defense in football. I'm I'm just saying that part of the reason Pollard does and Zeke doesn't is because of where they're giving Pollard the ball. Part of the reason is also because Pollard's probably a more explosive running back. I think that's just yes. right now the way Zeke is at this current state. But I think that's just also, fair to say. And I think it's probably going to be this way forever. If Tony Pollard was running the ball 15 times between the tackles, he'd probably be averaging four and a half yards per carry. Four and a half yards? I'd take that because Zeke's at 3.6 yeah, in the last amazing. six games. Please. Four and a half yards would be that. great. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. So just answer real quick on this one. Pollard or Ingram? If Kamara plays Pollard or Ingram, who's a better I mean, flex? Zeke's averaging exactly four and a half yards per carry. Over the last six games, that's when he started getting. It's when he started playing hurt. I'm not. Okay. It's all about the knee injury. I'm not crapping on Zeke. It's all about the knee injury for Zeke. You're kind of crapping on. Right. Oh, he looked really good earlier this he year, but he's not himself. Right. He's right. not himself. Right. Why, why is that? That's. I mean, that's I fair to say. You, Thank you, Dave. It makes him. It makes me nervous to start him as a top twelve guy because of the knee injury and because he's not getting quite as much playing time Ugh. as he did earlier this, this year off, slash I, earlier in his career. I need to win so badly in my Zeke league. I, I need it so badly. And now Heath is going to make me root against Ezekiel Elliott so I can sound right. And I don't want to do that. I want him to come through. What I really do, do. root against Ezekiel Elliott so you can sound right? Because you're making me, you're, pu- you're, you're, putting, t- you're, you're putting words in my mouth. I am simply I saying words in your mouth. that Zeke is playing hurt and like now I feel like if Zeke has a good game, I'm going to look so stupid. And 
I don't want. Well, I don't, how does he have a good game? He has to score. score. He has to score twice. I can't I imagine he's, he's going to score twice. He can't, he's not going to tear really through this game. defense. Or he could get I, a um, bunch of catches. He could have a good game in the same way he had a good game against the Patriots. Which was what? He had 17 carries for 69 yards and then caught seven passes for 50 yards. That would be a great game. That would be amazing, but I don't know if he can do that. Dak, I don't know if he's even going to get the opportunity to I do think that. Through seven Dak, catches. I think Dak threw 50 times in that game or more. That, that was an overtime game. Um, all right, so anyway, uh, uh, how about Taysom Hill? Well, how about Dalton Well, Schultz? you asked us who who we like better between Pollard and Ingram, assuming oh, yeah. Kamara is active. I would take Pollard over Ingram. Yeah, Pollard for sure. Okay, Dalton Schultz or Kyle Pitts? It's Pitts if Amari Cooper plays, Schultz otherwise. I think that's right, yeah. How about Cole Komet or Dalton Schultz? Schultz. I'll start Komet over Schultz if Amari Cooper plays. I don't. I, I have zero confidence that the game we saw last week is more indicative of Cole Komet than the game we saw the week before when he caught one pass. Right. Um, and Jimmy Graham is back and playing a role in the red zone again. Like he's the only tight end they throw in the two in the red zone. And it almost feels like he got lucky with Komet last week. Like really, really lucky if you started him. I think Justin Fields might be a determining factor too here because I think Dalton would throw more passes than Fields. Mm. Uh, probably for more yards. Taysom Hill, start or sit? I would sit him. I'm I'm nervous about the Saints desire to use him. I'm nervous about the foot injury. I'm concerned about how he'll be as a passer without Michael Thomas there. You mentioned it earlier in the show, Adam, that Thomas caught 30% of the throws or, or not. He, had, was 30, he saw 30%, 30 of the targets. Yeah, 32% right. or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And so he's not there. This team's identity is running the football anyway. And Hill isn't a very good passer. He doesn't throw with a lot of velocity. I would be I would be very hesitant to use him this week. It's not to say that I, you should be you should feel bad for picking him up. This should be a game where you pick him up and you'll wait and see whether or not you can use him the rest of the year. I I mostly agree. The one that I'm really struggling with, and you may just have to check the rankings on Thursday afternoon because I I and I'm not sure I can decide before then. The one I'm really struggling with is Russ. Um. I would start Taysom Hill over Tua. I've currently got him ahead of Burrow. Um, I would start him over any of the other streamers. He's my favorite streamer. But I'd still start Cousins Carr over him as well. So he's kind of in that middling range. Okay. Would you start Derek? You said you start Carr and Cousins over him. Okay, Dave, how about you? Carr or... Uh... Or I would start Taysom. Carr, Cousins, Burrow, Heineke, Matt Ryan, Tua, all ahead of Taysom Hill. Anyone in the passing game? Traquan Smith, anyone in the passing game for the Saints? Mm. I would try and avoid it. Okay. All right. I think that's it. No, 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 no. Nah. No. Well. Did we talk about Amari Cooper at all? No. That is not it. Let's rewind the tape. <laughs> No, 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 no. Big miss. Big miss. Starter said Amari Cooper, starter said Michael Gallup. Although I think you did say, I think we kind of talked about it in the previous segment. But yeah, Heath, since you keep pointing out all of my uh, omissions, no, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. 
Cooper is a low-end number two wide receiver for me, assuming that he practices today and goes. Um, he's in that Michael Pittman, DK Metcalf range behind Darnell Moody and Chase Claypool and Brandon Ayuk. Um, I would say that I'm not starting Michael Gallup unless I'm really desperate. If Cooper plays, if Cooper's out, then Gallup's a good number three wide receiver. Cool. All right. Hey, all right. hey are we done? Oh, kickers. No, 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 Is there a line? Start to say. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for watching, everybody, and listening. Much appreciated. Have a great, great Wednesday. Um, check out Fantasy Football Today in 5. We'll give you a player prop that we like for this game that will air on Thursday morning. And that's all I got for Heath and Dave and Shraggy B. I am Adam. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.